Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Hey, good morning. How are we doing today? We good? Hey, students that are in the house from retreat, I'm just going to ask one thing of you. You're in some nice, comfy, delicious chairs right now. All weekend you've been on the floor, but I want you to stay with me for a few more minutes, okay? I don't want you to miss this last message that we have for you before you head out. Uh, into the world. I do want to introduce myself again, though. My name is Chris Holcomb. I'm a pastor. I come all the way from Bethany, Oklahoma. I'm a pastor there at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. I've been a longtime youth pastor, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. Just to, for you to get to know me just a little bit, I did bring a picture. Students have already seen this. We can throw the picture up. That's my family right there. So it's fantastic. It's my wife, Hannah, my uh, three-year-old daughter, Ellie, who keeps our hands super full, as many of you might know. But her shirt says that she's going to be a big sis, and that's an older picture. Uh, My wife is 38 weeks pregnant today. Yeah, and I'm here in Virginia. So my wife is awesome. She's like, you got to go. It's the calling. We're just going to pray that the baby will, will stay in there and keep cooking a little longer. So you can pray for me. I get home tonight. The baby can come at like 8 p.m. tonight. I'm good with that. I just want to be home for it. So I'm excited to be here with you. Hey, We started this retreat Friday night asking the question, how do we see God? We talked about some of those narratives in the way that we see God, if you remember right. And I tried to correct some of those narratives, and I tried to open up the Word and read out of the parable of the sower so that we could take a narrative of God, this God who leaves his house every morning like a farmer, and he throws the seed. And he's throwing this seed of grace and love. And if you remember, it doesn't matter where the seed goes. He's throwing it all over the place, not just in the good soil. And so I challenge you that it doesn't matter the condition of your heart right now. That God is waking up every morning, whether your heart is hard, or whether there's thorns in your life, or whether it's shallow soil, or whether it's good and rich. God wakes up every day throwing that love and grace all over you. And then last night, we wrestled with this question, how does God see us? Who are we? How do we see ourselves? And we began to wrestle with this realization that we have these false identities that because of our sin, because of our shame, because of other people's sin and shame, because of situations that have happened to us, because of mistakes that we may have made, we begin to take on some of these identities, these names, like broken inconvenience, a disappointment, a mistake maker, a failure, not enough. We take on those names. The problem is we begin to live into those, and those begin to shape who we are becoming. But God sees us a bit different. If you remember, I read out of the passage where it says, God has chosen you. You are a royal priesthood. There's a spot at the table for you. And this morning, we're going to wrestle with this question, how do we see others? Why does this Christian life matter? Why does this faith matter for us? What impact does it have? I'm going to read a passage of Scripture out of Mark chapter 11 and verse 
12, okay? Mark chapter 11, verse 12. And, and all weekend, one of the things I do when I preach, because I recognize, I, I grew up in church, and so I can't help but just realize that there's a true statement about me, and I wonder if it might be true about you, that sometimes when I read the scriptures, because I've grown up in church, I tend to just kind of glaze over. I tend to just kind of sometimes uh, begin to check out, or I'm, I'm loosely listening to the scriptures, or maybe I think because I've heard a passage before that I'll just kind of loosely listen to it. But as I read this passage, I want you to imagine it. I mean, I want you to picture it. I want you to not just hear it with your ears, but I want you to hear it with your heart and your soul. I want you to imagine what it would be like for Jesus walking this road. I want you to imagine, put yourself in the place of disciples watching this story unfold. Imagine it with me as I read. Here we go. Mark chapter 11. It says this. The next day, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. You know, I love that part. It's one of my favorite parts in this entire passage because right off the beginning, it sets up this humanity that Jesus has. We, we sometimes have this picture and image of, of Jesus like he's not fully human, that he's mostly God, but the truth is, is he's fully God and he's fully man. And Jesus was hungry like you and I get hungry. I don't know about you, but when I went to the hotel, I was going to go get some breakfast and there was like 200 students getting breakfast, so I didn't eat. I've had coffee, I'm a little shaky, I'm a little hungry. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And as he's walking, seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Jesus was hungry, he's walking, he looks off in the distance and there's a fig tree. And he says, let's get something to eat. And as he walks up to it, I, I imagine this scene, he begins to get close and he begins to look around in the leaves and underneath the branches and he probably starts to look up and realizes there's no fruit. All the fruit is gone, there's no fruit. It's a tree in full leaf, but it has nothing to offer him to eat. So he steps back and he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now I got to pause. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine being a disciple right there. Watching Jesus look around in this fig tree, I imagine him just looking for more time than he should. And the disciples are probably like, Jesus, it's, it, the fruit's just gone, man. Like, you get, just, let's just keep going. Let's, let's get to where we're going. And Jesus steps back, hungry. And now angry. So he's what? He's hangry. My guy, Jesus is hangry. And he steps back and he looks at the tree and he just goes, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Can you imagine it? And would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priest and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, 
because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When the evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out to the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the root. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus says this, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. I want to tell a story that uh, when I tell it, it's always difficult for me. Sometimes when I tell this story, I, I continue to think, like, maybe this time it will get a bit easier. But the reality is, is the story is difficult for me because it was such a life-turning moment in my Christian faith. It was such a moment for me as a person in my relationship with God that every time I tell it, I can't help but struggle to get through it. And I want to tell you up front, it's a, it's a PG-13 story. Some of you are like, oh, I'm clued in. Some of you are like, oh, my kid's in here. <laughs> it's a PG-13 story, but i got to share it with you from my heart because it's so radically transformed my life. I grew up in a pretty big high school. We had a graduating class of 600. Uh, my senior year, I was, a, I was a student leader. I played football. Uh, I, was the, I was actually the class president of our, of our class. And so one of the things that we would do is that basketball games, my job was to make sure that we got the rowdiest bunch of kids to go cheer on our basketball team. But here's what you got to know. We were terrible at sports. I mean, just awful. I, I played football for four years, only won five games. I mean, it is horrible. Our basketball team wasn't much better, but that didn't matter. Our job was to go and support our team and to have a lot of fun as a student body. And it was kind of interesting because that year in 2007 in the state of Oklahoma, the Yukon Millers got voted the fifth hardest place to play out of any high school in 6A basketball. And yet we lost almost every game. I was fascinated by that. But our student section was wild. We called ourselves the Dog Pound. And it was awesome. And so one of the things that we would do is we would do a theme for every home game. And this particular home game, me and several of our student leaders decided that we were going to paint up on our backs. And we spelled out the word, who cares? And so it's kind of a silly thing. You might be like, what? That's weird. But when they, when they would introduce the opposing team, we would turn our backs like this. And they would be like, number nine, starting forward, so-and-so. And our whole crowd would go, who cares? We got them good. And then when they would shoot free throws, we would turn around and it would spell, who cares? And they'd make it and we'd yell, who cares? It was a fun little thing. It used to be cool. Halftime of that game rolls around. And I got to tell you, I have this kid. His name's Cody. And Cody and I grew up together, but we were just like school friends. We weren't friends that hung out outside of school. Cody uh, had a different life than me. He didn't go to church. Church was never a big part of his family. His parents were divorced at a young age. His dad was an alcoholic. 
And Cody and I became friends, but just at school, and so I would get to know Cody, and when I would go to youth group, I I would sit in church, and and youth pastors would say things like this to me, and they'd go, hey, uh, when I pray, I want you to pray a name out loud of someone you want to invite to church. Ever done that? And so every time something like that would happen, I would always whisper, Cody. Cody was our starting middle linebacker for the UConn Millers. Cody was getting recruited to go Division I college football. He was just a great athlete. He was the guy, all the girls loved him. He was super cool. He was the most popular kid at school. And halftime of that game, we're standing there. We spell, who cares? And there's many people going and coming from the concession stand. And all of a sudden, a voice from behind me, he says, hey, Chris, Chris, turn around, turn around, all you guys, turn around. You guys spell the word whores. And in this moment, I I couldn't really process it. It was like this moment of chaos, and, and all of a sudden, without much thinking, we turned around, we turned our backs to realize that the C and the A and who cares had gone up to the concession stand. And this moment was so, it was so quick. It it happened so fast. The opposing team, their cheerleaders were doing a halftime routine. And as we turned around, I think we were only turned around for maybe three or four seconds before I turned back. And you know that moment when you know you're in trouble? That moment where it just starts to sink in, your heart starts to pound, you start to realize like, man, this isn't good. I began to start looking around and and I began to look like, man, maybe no one saw. Maybe no one saw what happened. About three or four minutes goes by and my principal, I see him come walking toward us. And he looks at me and he goes, Chris, all you guys, come on. Student body section, ooh, I go up and I'm talking to the principal and a mom comes up wearing an Edmund Huskies cheerleader sweatshirt. She tears in her eyes. She takes a digital camera and she hands it to the principal and the principal hands the camera to me as the leader and he goes, Chris, not you. And there in the background was the word as clear as day while she was trying to take a picture of her daughter principal said to us, he said, I want to see you Monday morning, first thing in my office. So I went home the whole weekend. I talked to my parents about it. I didn't know what was going to happen. I show up on Monday. I'm walking through the halls and I'm headed to the principal's office, just pretty much in shame. And one of the first people I encounter is my buddy Cody. And Cody comes running up to me. And he's like, Chris. He goes, man, what happened at the game? That was crazy. And I go, yeah, yeah, Cody, it was. He goes, it was awesome. He goes, I can't believe you did that. He said, you know what? All these years, I thought you and I were so different. But I realize, and I'll never forget this line, I realize that we're exactly the same. And he walks away. And everything within me as a senior in high school processing that conversation, I wanted to scream out, we're not the same. We're not, Cody. 
man, I don't do the things that you do. I don't go the places that you go. We're not the same. Man, I go to church every single week. I'm in small groups. I've been to camp. I've given my life to Christ. Like you and I, we're so different. How can you not see that? You know what I started to realize? As I've gotten a little older and I've reflected back on that story and my walk with God, high school students, middle school students, I want you to lean in. You know what I've reflected on that moment? Is that I got really, really good at playing church. Oh my, I got really, really good at playing church. I got really, really good at picking and choosing when I was going to be a follower of Jesus. I began to wear my faith like a jacket. I began to wear the gospel like a jacket. I I could put it on on Sunday mornings and I could get it straight and ironed and I could show up to church and I could show up to Sunday school and I could do those things. But man, in the locker room, without really anybody noticing, I'd just shed that gospel. I'd take it off, hang it up. In certain friend situations, at lunch or wherever I'd be, I just slip out of that jacket. I put on a different jacket. You see, I got really, really good at knowing the right answers, doing the right thing, picking and choosing where I'd choose to be a follower of Jesus. When I go back to this passage, I can't help but think of Jesus who was a bit hungry, who had a need. And when he looked off in the distance, he saw a tree in full leaf. And what you got to know about a fig tree is that the fruit comes first. A fig tree, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit odd. Uh, The fruit comes first on a fig tree, and then the leaves come over it. And so when he looked at that and he saw that it was in full leaf, Jesus would have had this understanding that there would probably have been some fruit on it because the fruit comes first. When I think about my story, I think about the realization that I looked off in the distance to many people in my life, to friends, to family members, to maybe even some pastors who knew me best, when they looked at me off in the distance, I looked like a tree in full leaf. I had it all together. I had things that were happening in my life. I I was able to wear the jacket really, really well. I looked like I had something to offer someone. But the reality is that I was living my life in a way that when people got up close to me, when people got really close to me and they actually started to know my life and look around a little bit, I had no fruit to offer them. Because I wasn't actually really living the way of Christ. So I looked the part. But I didn't have any fruit to offer someone who was hungry. Sometimes, when I think about the church, sometimes we get so good at looking the part. We get so good at learning to play church learning to play community, learning to play like we have everything together. But if people got up close, would we have anything to offer someone who was hungry? What do we have? 
So here's what I want to do. Here's how I want to respond. And this isn't just for students. This is for anybody in the house, young or old. I don't care if you're 100 here today. God wants to still use you and do something in your life. I want you to stand. If you really spend some time wrestling with God, and you spend some time going, you know what? That's me. I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of playing around. I'm tired of, tired of playing this game. I'm tired of picking and choosing when I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm over it. I, I want to stand because I'm, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to really do this thing. No matter where I'm at, no matter what situation, I want to stand and live for Christ. But I want to challenge you not to stand if you're not ready. I don't want you to stand if you're not willing to make some serious changes in your life. I don't want you to stand if you're not at that place where you're like, man, when I get on my bus and I'm headed back to my church, I'm not willing to open up my social media and unfollow accounts I shouldn't be following. If you're not ready to do that, don't stand. You're not in that place. I don't want you to stand if you're in this place where you're like, man, I... I'm just now starting to fit in. I'm just now getting in with this crowd, and I'm just now starting to get to know some of these people, even though you may know you shouldn't be with them. You're not willing to give that up. I don't want you to stand if you're not willing to say no on a Friday night when someone asks you to do something that you know you shouldn't do. I don't want you to stand, students, if you're going to just go home and the first encounter you have with your parents is negative. Or tonight when they ask you to do the dishes, you're like, no, I'm too tired. Or when they ask you to obey them or ask you to listen to them for a second, you're like, no, I know everything. Listen, if you're not willing to make some changes, don't stand. But if you're in a place and you're like, man, I'm ready. I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of not living it fully for God. I'm tired of picking and choosing when I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I want you to stand. This isn't an emotional decision. It's a choice. I want to pray for you. But I want to say this to you. If you're standing, God's got a call in your heart. you're standing God's got a purpose for you students hear me you don't wait until you're older to do something great for God there's no waiting around you've got the same call I have you've got the same call your leaders and your pastors have adults you've got the same call You don't wait until you're older to do something great for God. God wants to do something great in you right now. There's a person outside these walls who needs you to not just look the part, not just play a Christian on TV, but when they get up close to you, you have something to offer them because this world is hungry. And they're looking for something to eat. And they go to all the wrong places. But when they look at us, we're not just a tree in full leaf. But we're a tree 
that has fruit. Father, lead us, Lord. I ask that every single person that's standing in this room who's at that place of going, man, this is, this is where I'm at. I want to take this next step with you. Lord, give them peace, but also give them courage. Remind them that it's going to cost them something. There's going to be a, a sacrifice that, that they're going to have to make in order to make this happen, a change to a routine, a change to a relationship, a change to a friendship. It's going to be a little bit of work. It's not going to be easy. But Lord, it'll be worth it. Because you will be there every step of the way. So Father, as we sing, we praise your name, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. We're at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.